Couldn't have asked for a more appropriate set of worship songs this morning. As we look to God's Word, as we look today, as we talk about what John knew of Jesus and John's introduction about Jesus. And I hope that you'll kind of let these songs echo in your mind a little bit as we get into the Word, as we get into the message. And as we get started this morning, I have a question for you. And you can, you can just shout out an answer. Um, it can be a name or, or you can just, you know, be general and say like, my mom or my best friend. It's that I'm kind of helping you out here. Who knows you the best? Okay, all right. All right, nice. Somebody said Christ, somebody said God. Good deal. Now, now I don't mean who knows your favorite color. I mean, who knows you best? And, and Christ and God are both correct answers. But let, let's come back on earth for a second. The people in your world, the, the in, in, wow. I, I wasn't expecting somebody to say Christ or God because when I was doing this, I had this whole, my best friend, Kevin, who's known me since we were in the eighth grade. I joke around and say anything I ever did growing up that was illegal, I probably did with Kevin, but it's okay because we've been forgiven, all right? Um, we had a lot of fun. I mean, we learned a lot. That's what I meant to say. We learned, we matured, and we learned a lot. Kevin is one of those people, he knows everything there is to know about me. And, and even today, we were just talking a little bit between Christmas and, and New Year's. Um, funny thing is, Kevin is my absolute best friend. I've known him since ninth grade. Um, his birthday is January something. I even put it in my calendar for like nine years as an adult. I had it on my phone the wrong day. I had it like January 7th, and it's actually the 9th. And I would call him January 7th. Happy birthday, old man. It's not yet. And he wouldn't tell me, so I called him the next day. Happy birthday, old man. And no. And, and I finally figured it out because I missed a day, and I called him. And said, Happy birthday, old man. He goes, you missed it. It was yesterday. Gotcha. You know. Took me a few years to figure out his pattern. He knows me. Who knows you like better than anybody? Who who is that person? My wife knows me better than Kevin knows me. All right, and we've been together over twenty years, and I always say I'm sure six of those have been great years for Mitzi. Um, they've all been good for me, but you know, we add up a few few months at a time. No, but here's what I want you to think about: think about your best friend. Think about that person, your, your 2 a.m. person who you would call in the middle of the night. You would call with um, whatever it is that's going on in your life. And, and I bring that out because as, as Christians, people always say, well, you shouldn't have favorites. Well, here's the deal. When Jesus was here on earth, he had a best friend. His best friend's name was John. <laughs> Not me, another John, but... I'm honored you would think that. <laughs> yes, yes, thank you. <laughs> and John was not only Jesus' best friend, but he was an eyewitness to the things that Jesus did throughout his entire ministry while he was here on earth. Nobody knew better, knew Jesus better than John did. As a matter of fact, well after Jesus had returned to heaven, all the other disciples had been martyred, John sat down and he wrote about not only his best friend, but his Lord and Savior, Jesus. And their adventures, as I like to say. I want to share something Mark Driscoll wrote in, in, a, in a sermon that he, he preached about John and Jesus. He said, John starts by telling us that Jesus is our eternal God, our creator God, 
our polarizing God, our Savior God, our human God, our relational God, and our only God. I thought, wow, that's awesome. Why? Why would he say all those things? Well, I think if you want to understand who God is, you have to start with Jesus. And we just celebrated the birth of Jesus. And I thought, you know, it's fitting for us to come out of this this month-long celebration of Jesus' birth and continue on the journey with his life and really look at the life of Christ. Now, before we start, I need to tell you a couple things. One, I'm going to do you a great disservice in preaching through the Gospel of John and the life of Christ because I'm only doing it in like four months. And so, essentially, I'm skipping a stone across the depth that is the book of John. And those of you who are in our Sunday school class about the book of John, you're going to get a much deeper knowledge. Those of you who are in other Sunday school classes, it's okay. We still love you. But I want you to take advantage of just understanding there are things I'm not going to be able to say in, in just the hour and a half that I have to preach every Sunday about John. Um, there, there are some things that, that you're going to read as you're studying through John yourself. And, and you're going to go, oh, he didn't hit on that. And, and it's okay. But... We're coming at this, and I'm excited, and I've been studying this since August. I'm really excited to share the life of Christ with you. But as we start this, you need to decide what you believe about this book and what's inside it. And I don't just mean the Gospel of John journal book. I mean the whole Bible. You need to decide what you believe about this book and about what's inside of it about God's Word. Because His Word should be the foundation of your life. It should be the foundation of your relationships. It should be the foundation of your marriage. It should be the foundation of your parenting. It is the foundation of our ministry here at Huntsville Christian Church. Everything is based on the truth of God's Word. And let me tell you this. See, God's Word brings truth. It brings life. It brings joy. It brings presence. It brings God's presence. And it brings God's peace and His provision into your life. But you need to decide If you believe that about God's word or not, if you believe this about God's word, then I expect you to be reading through the book of John as we preach through the life of Christ over the next four months, especially if you have one of these journals. My favorite thing about this is is on every other page. There's just what they call ghost lines. Apparently, that's what those are called. And, And you can write, write your questions, dig around for answers, find the truths that you've been looking for. And we're going to just jump right into this. I have to start out by telling you, uh, hopefully you know this, but if not, it's okay. There are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they're, they're called the synoptic Gospels. They almost always go together. That's what synoptic, it's a fancy word for goes together. All right? It, it, I don't even know where they came from, but that's what it means. They're, they're basically, all four of these books are biographies about Jesus. The first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, about 60% of their content is very similar You'll, you'll see the overlays and you'll see where, where the things happen. But in John, about 90% of John, what he writes about Jesus is unique. You will read things in John uh, and they're things you wouldn't really know about Jesus if John didn't tell us. That I tend to believe that the other Gospels were written first and then John writes last and he fills in some of the stuff that wasn't previously recorded. Now hear me out and listen closely. John wasn't sitting there looking at Matthew's gospel and going, oh, Matthew, you missed that one. I need to fill it in. That's not what I'm saying. It wasn't that kind of a thing. I believe that John was, um, he was led by the Holy Spirit to just write differently than the other authors did, okay? Um, But why did John write his gospel? And and I think as we start this off, we need to go 
basically to the end. In John chapter 20, verse 31, John writes this. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Okay? Now, here's the thing. There's a difference between knowing something and believing it. Okay? There's a difference between knowing it and believing it. And John writes that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. When you really believe something, you're going to take action on what that something requires of you. And we're going to get into that as we unfold this. Keep these things in mind. Also, and you might want to write this down, but in John chapters 1 through 12, John focuses on Jesus as light. In John chapters 13 through 17, he focuses on Jesus as love. And in John chapters 18 through 21, he focuses on Jesus as life. And so if you want to break down the Gospel of John into three different areas, and again, I'll repeat it for you because I think it's important. You can write it down, um, and especially if you have an opportunity to share with other people. You can say, hey, John wrote that Jesus is light, and that was chapters 1 through 12. He wrote that Jesus was, is light. In John chapters 13 through 17, he focuses on Jesus as love. And then the last few chapters, 18 through 21, he focuses on Jesus as life. I want to share a few things with you about John, too. Someone once said, John's gospel is deep enough for an elephant to swim and shallow enough for a child not to drown. I thought, you know, it's fitting. Uh, You look at at the the different uh, people that the other gospel writers wrote to. Luke was a doctor, and so, you know, he wrote differently. Matthew wrote differently. I've never been able to verify the source of that saying. Some people say it was Augustine. But there's a reason that I think this quote is popular when you, when you get into looking at the book of John. It captures a truth about John's gospel. You see, if you're a non-Christian or a new Christian or a young person reading the gospel of John, you're not going to drown in big words. You're not going to drown in, in churchy things and, and religiosity. That's a word I think I made up. But you won't drown in those things. And if you're a mature Christian, a studied Christian, you're still going to grow. John is, is that amazing in, in how he writes and what he says. And we're going to spend the next four months looking at his gospel. You need to know also, as we sang those songs about ancient words, true, it, it's an honor. It's a gift. What we have right here is, is just a gift and an honor. People have died to give us God's word. People have died to translate for us God's word. And we're blessed because we just simply get to open it and we get to read it and we get to, to get deep into it freely. And, and, and so go ahead and do that now. Open your, open your, your Bible. Open your, if you have a Gospel of John journal, get that out. Get your pen out. If you have a fake Bible on your phone, go ahead and get that out and, and program it up to John chapter 1. Um, it's still God's Word. It's just in a different... It's, it's a tactical difference. I get it. All right? But go ahead and, and we're going to look at John chapter 1. And, and we're going to go through the first 18 verses. But for a moment, I'm going to hang out in, chapter, in verses 1 and 2. And so here it is. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, if you were going to write a letter or a book, you would probably start out by introducing yourself. Many of the New Testament authors did. Paul would write a, an introduction about this. This is Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. That, you know, I'm, I'm writing to the Corinthian church, and here's a prayer for you, and, and that kind of thing. You kind of let them know who you are and, and kind of what's coming. It was traditional for, for writing letters in that time. 
John doesn't do that. I like to think John's kind of old school. He, as he's writing this, he, he reminds me of just the, the older, you know, um, kind of like a farmer. It's time to, the sun's up, it's time to get up and go to work. And, and we're going to work hard all day, and we're just going to get right to it. And so John is just like, we're going to get straight to work. And here's why. I, I got to thinking about this. As John is writing this gospel, as he's writing this about Jesus, he is essentially the highest spiritual authority on earth at that time. All right? He, he's been to the funeral of all the other disciples, so to speak. He's, he's an elderly man who's in the last remaining eyewitness disciple of Jesus. And he starts off not by telling us about himself, not by saying, saying hey, this is John. It, spoiler alert, he ends that way. When, when you get to the end, he says, this is a disciple who witnessed all these things. So he ends that way, but he starts off by telling us not only that Jesus is the Son of God, but He is the light of the world, that He is the Word become flesh. Uh, there are several things I want to share with you today about Jesus from just these first 18 verses in John. And I want to look at it this way. I want to look at it through something I think is kind of practical because it's something we all do. Uh, pretty much everyone in this room has filled out some sort of an application. Even if you don't have a job, if you have a social media profile, you filled out an application. They don't call it an application. They call it like, hey, help us get to know you. What's your name? What's your birthday? What school do you go to? Where'd you graduate? What was your major? Where do you live? You kind of just fill these things out. And I got to thinking about that. We, we, there's a few questions that are asked. Well, first off, name. What's your name? Here we're talking about Jesus. Let's make that very clear. When, when John says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the Word was with God in the beginning, He was in the beginning with God. When He says all that, the Word that He is speaking of is Jesus. Okay? And so, so what's your name? Jesus' name is the Word. Um, next question is birthday. When is Jesus' birthday? <laughs> Somebody said April. <laughs> December 25th. <laughs> in the beginning. Who said in the beginning? Well done. All right, yes, he was on this earth for roughly 33 years or so in the beginning. That's a lot of candles when you get to think, whoo, he, in the beginning. This, this could be complicated. Jesus is walking the earth. He physically looks about 30, 33 years old. But how old is he? He's eternal. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Pre-existing that moment was the maker not the made, the creator, not the created, the eternal one, who, the one who's not bound by time, and he is Jesus. And John reifies that by saying, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, the word was God, he was in the beginning with God. This is mind-blowing. John was with Jesus for three years, and he's saying, hey, my best friend Jesus was there at creation as the eternal God, who, who made everything, who made everyone. And he is without beginning or end. He is overall. All comes from him. All is under his jurisdiction. We need to remember that part later for when we read about Jesus before Pilate, that everything is under his jurisdiction. All will stand to give an account before Jesus because sometimes your beginnings and your foundations determine your endings. And that's where John is going here. In the beginning was the word. From the very beginning. This is staggering to me. It's a colossal claim about Jesus. His name is Jesus. His birthday is before the beginning. And listen to this. I just want to pause here because we're, we're at this new year. And I think it, I think it fits really well. Um, so Jesus is all about beginnings. All right. And he's also about new beginnings. And I don't know what took place in your life last year. I don't know what last year was like for you. I don't know if it was good, bad, ugly, whatever. 
And it doesn't matter because now it's this year. See? And, and if you're looking for a new beginning, Jesus is a God of new beginnings because He was there in the beginning. And the cool thing is, if you're looking for a new beginning, you can start a new habit. I read an article that says it takes 21 days to create a habit. So I want to challenge you. If you're, it's a new year, and if you're looking for a new habit, if you're looking for a new beginning, if you're like, you know what, I really struggled with some junk last year, and I don't want to struggle with that junk this year, then I'm going to help you start a new habit. 21 days, read one chapter every day out of the Gospel of John. I timed it, and I even wrote it down because I knew I'd forget. It took me 5 minutes and 45 seconds to read the whole first chapter of John. Now, I'm a decent reader. I'm not like a speed reader, but 5 minutes and 45 seconds. Does anybody not have 5 minutes and 45 seconds to spend with God? See, He's a God of new beginnings. And if you need to start over on something in your life, if you're struggling with anger, you start to get angry, stop and just read John chapter 1. 5 minutes and 45 seconds out of your day. If you're struggling with stuff on social media, you're spending too much time on social media, then just stop and read John chapter 1, John chapter 2. I don't think any chapter in here will take you longer than seven minutes to read. But get into the habit every day of spending five minutes reading God's Word. When you do that, because our God, we serve a God, we serve a good God who is all about new beginnings. And He will do His part if you're willing to do your part. I think, too, in order for us to accept that our God is a God of new beginnings, it helps if we don't consider God old. See, we we have this this mindset of God, and and this sparked my imagination on Christmas Eve when we were watching the video of the kids, and they they were describing um, Joseph, and they were like, he had a white beard and 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 a gray coat. And we think about God, and we think about God eternal, and we think as just this old man. Just, just this, this, and sometimes we think of him as old and wise. Sometimes when we've sinned, we think of him as old and grumpy because we know he's displeased. Um, and, and sometimes we just we 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 can't think of him on in these ways because it challenged me. Because I think in order to accept that God is a God of new beginnings, we can't really consider him old. I think there's a difference between old and eternal. Okay, and this is just my opinion, and, and you can disagree and and be wrong. We can still be friends, but. Here's, here's where I come up with my logic on this. We grow old physically. We grow old. We sin. We age. We break down. We get tired. And eventually we die. And, and because of that process, our human side says, well, God must be old. But because I have a weird mind and my logic gets goofy sometimes or it's just different than other people's, God doesn't sin. He doesn't age. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't break down. Maybe it's we grow old and God stays young. Because I think there's a difference. Uh, And I don't mean to say he's not wise, but eternal doesn't necessarily mean old. But in the beginning, God. And, And when I think about how space and time don't apply to him, I think we kind of do a disservice when we picture God as old. Wise for sure. Loving, all those things, but I, I, that's just a thought I had. So the next thing that we fill out in this application, we did, what's your name? All right, his name is Word. What's your birthday? The beginning. Next one's your address. Where do you live? Where does Jesus live? According to John chapter 1 and verses 1 and 2. And with God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. God the Father, God the Son. 
His residence is with the Father. Always has been. No one else makes this claim. Jesus was with God. The next question that pops up is usually asked, especially on social media, where do you work? What do you do for a living? Now listen to me, because this is going to mess with some of you for days. You're just going to be like, what? This is the Word of God. And right away, John is going to tell us who Jesus is. Jesus is the most significant person in the history of the world. We measure time by Him. Okay? You don't have to believe in Him, but we measure time by Him. Time Magazine even called Jesus the man of the millennium once. Not the man of the year, the man of the millennium. This is not an overstatement, what I'm about to say, but but you need to understand this. What you think about Jesus is the most important thing about you. Who is Jesus? John says he is God. While walking here on earth, he is God. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus clearly said that he was God. That's why he's put to death for claiming that he was God. Jesus. Here's the thing. No other religion has a founder who claims to be God. Only Jesus said he was God. And early Christians echoed that. He was God. That's who Jesus is. This is where we begin. Everything starts with Jesus. Your day, your week, your month, your year, your family, your finances, your business, your relationships, your life, your eternal life. Everything starts with Jesus as your foundation. And that's what we need to build on. As we move forward, it all starts with who you believe Jesus to be. And in case you missed it, Jesus is God. It's what John says, and we believe it. It's because it's true. His name is Jesus. His birthday is before the beginning. His residence is with God. His employment is God. His title is the Word. And this is one of my favorite parts right here. His title is the Word. And in the original Greek, this word is logos. And it means literally the completeness of the message. So think about that. John says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And that word, word means the completeness of the message. Jesus is the Word. God's Word in its most complete form. I know, blind, mind blown, right? It's like, whoa. Here's the cool thing. God works through His Word. God works through His Word. God speaks, creation obeys. God speaks, there is light. God speaks, there is life. God speaks, there are rivers teeming with life. God speaks, there are stars in the sky. God speaks and things work through God's word. Matter of fact, the only thing that doesn't obey God's word is us. Everything else obeys God's word. In Isaiah 55, 11, it says, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God works through His Word. You know, I got to thinking about that. He sent Jesus, sent His Word. God works through His Word. We live in a world that has a lot of words. The problem is it doesn't have a lot of God's words anymore. If you want to see change in this world, you need the Word of God. If you want to see change in this community, you need the Word of God. If you want to see change in this congregation, you need the Word of God. This is the Word of God. In my opinion, this is the only perfect thing on earth today. It's the Word of God. Ultimately, we live in a world where there is a war on the Word of God. And you need to know that here at Huntsville Christian Church, we love you. But the most important thing that you need to know is if you disagree with the Word of God, well, you're wrong. 
we are called, and I have to say this very clearly, guys, we are called to be God's messengers. We are not called to be His editors. His Word, His Logos is complete. It was complete in Jesus Christ. From the moment He was born to the moment He died, He raised again and, and is in heaven preparing a place for us. His Word is complete. And we are to be messengers. We are God's messengers. He didn't ask us to edit this. He didn't ask us to change His Word. His Word, the Word of God, is the source that reveals to us the character of our God. It tells us who God is and it tells us who we are. I want to tell you something about the Word and my best friend Kevin. He stopped reading the Word because he said, man, it's calling me out on stuff. He got to a place where he realized that he was accountable for the things that he knew. And he said, I don't want to know anymore because it requires change in my life. And that moment, it broke my heart. And he even said, I was in Bible college. I'll never forget. He goes, I don't want to talk about it anymore with you. Because we were having these little discussions. He was probably getting tired of, of some of Maybe I was a little too ambitious, a little too zealous. And he said, I don't want to talk about it anymore because I, it's, it makes me uncomfortable. I said, yeah, that's where you're supposed to change. He goes, but I like who I am. He goes, I don't think that what I've done, because what I've done made me the man who I am today. And he served in the Air Force. He's a great soldier. He did great things defending our country and our freedom in different places. And I, I appreciate that and love him for that. But it broke my heart when he said, I don't want to talk about God anymore. And so I still wanted to talk about God. And so I would pray as we would get ready to hang out on a weekend while I was in Bible college. Hey, Lord, just let him ask one question that I can answer. And this is great because every time we would hang out, I don't know why he did this. You'd think he would learn after the first time. Hey, how's school going? You learning anything? Well, actually, <laughs> I learned that in the beginning was the word. The word was, And I started talking to him about what John said. He's like, what does that even mean? I was like, it means that God has a God of new beginnings. And when you're ready, he'll, he'll be there. And he since changed his mind. And so we're back to talking about Jesus again, and, and it's a good thing, and we're having good conversations. But my point is, I didn't change what God's Word said. I didn't say, oh, that makes you uncomfortable because you're choosing to do these things in your life, and the Bible says, hey, you shouldn't do that. I didn't say, you know what, don't, let's just rip that page out. I didn't say that. I said, no, this is the Word of God. And God's, God's Word will reveal to us the character of God. It will reveal who we are. The Word of God shows us who we are. It shows us who Jesus is and how we can be more like Him. That's, that's the whole point of the Word of God. And especially here, our culture is at war with this book. And it boils down to this. Does God need to change or do we need to change? We do. Because life, hope, health, healing, those things come from the Word of God. And God works through His complete Word. Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus is God's working in our history. Jesus is God's entrance into human history. Jesus is God's power unleashed and at work in the entire world that God made. And John is saying, hey, this is my best friend and everyone needs to know him because apart from him, you will not know God. And just in case you're not convinced yet that Jesus is God, look at what John says in John verse, chapter 1, verse 3. He says, Jesus is, my summation of it is, Jesus is not only God, He's our creator, God. He says, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. Whoa. There's a part of me that says, John knows Dr. Seuss. (laughs) Without him was not anything made that was made. So what was made? 
the heavens, the earth, the water, the us. Those things were all made through Jesus. You see, here's the thing. John's saying that Jesus made everything. Jesus made everybody. The Bible basically has two, creator, two categories when you read through it. The created and the creator. Okay? Other religions don't do that. They put Jesus into the category of just the created. And, and, and I'm probably making some of you uncomfortable, and I'm not downing other people, but Mormons will tell you that Jesus is the created. Muslims will tell you Jesus is created. Mystic religions, when you look at those, will tell you that Jesus is created. If you ask a Hindu, they will tell you Jesus is a man who, through karma, continually reincarnated, entering higher levels of enlightenment until he became very, a very enlightened spiritual man. Not John. John makes it very clear. He says, hey, Jesus is the creator. And this is fundamentally important. John is saying everyone and everything comes from Jesus. Everyone and everything belongs to Jesus. Everyone and everything returns to Jesus. Everyone and everything gives an account to Jesus. Guys, you are not an accident. You are here from him and you will return to him and you will give an account to him for what you did while you were here. You need to know that he is not the created. He is the creator. You need to know that the personal God of the universe created you to be in a personal relationship with Him. And make no mistake, because I think sometimes as Christians we do this, you also are not the Creator. You are the created. If you're looking for meaning in this life, I want to encourage you to look to relationship with your Maker. And in case you haven't caught on, His name is Jesus. But I have to warn you, when you start building a true relationship with Jesus Christ, well, it goes back to what Mark Driscoll said. He is polarizing. He's controversial. You don't believe me? Let's look at John chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. John said, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear, to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Anybody count how many times John said light right then? He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Uh, I want to pause on that real quick. This is something that, that caught my eye reading through the first chapter of John. John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, roughly six months older than Jesus, did not personally know Jesus until he came to be baptized by John the Baptist. I was like, whoa, mind blown. Look into it. Write that down and look into it. Because, because when you skip over... Um, and to, to John the Baptist, he says, I think it's verse, um, verse 31. Yeah, here it is. He says, John, this is John the Baptist says, I myself did not know him, but for his pur- this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. John the Baptist, I'm sure he knew of because he knew what God had called him to do. He was the voice calling in the wilderness. But he did not know Jesus like John, the author of this book, knew Jesus. That just kind of blew my mind for a second. But but here we are. I I just share these things. And if if you want to know Jesus, you're going to have to change the way you think. That's that's 
That was a struggle, as I said, for my buddy Kevin. He got to that point where he was like, I don't want to change the way I'm thinking. You have to change the way you think. Let me break it down this way. If you want a relationship with the light of the world, you need to love the Lord our God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. You need to change the way you think. Not, to not be conformed by this world, we need to be transformed in our mind and know what Jesus is. We need, as Christians, we should think differently than non-Christians. We, just as Christians, we should strive to just be better. If for no other reason, we should have a completely different paradigm with how we process what goes on around us. It's our worldview. It's a Christian worldview. And it should be different from the world we live in because we are not to be conformed by this world. And John is telling us that Jesus is the true light. And I say he's polarizing because when you read through what we just read through, you see light and darkness and life and death. You see, Jesus can't be around those things. John is telling us Jesus is the true light, which gives light to everyone. He is the source of light, the source of life. He is the difference between life and death. Now tell me this, why wouldn't you want to share him with someone this week? Just those first 10 verses, so much in there. Jesus is the light of the world, and we are asked to reflect his light, his light of life to those around us, even though they may not want to see it. John the Baptist was asked by God to expose the darkness of people's hearts before Jesus even began his ministry. And John came and he preached repentance. And people had to make a choice back then, just like you need to make a choice right now. John tells us that Jesus is the light. So the question I have for you is, what darkness needs to be exposed in your life? What needs to come out of your life so that Jesus the light of the world, the Word of God, can illuminate a path forward for you. Spoiler alert, Jesus already knows what you're hiding. See, we tend to think that because no one actually saw it, maybe it didn't happen, or we can move away from it, or we can fight it on our own. Jesus already knows what you're hiding. So I want to encourage you, as you read through these first 12 chapters of John, let the light of the world, let the Word of God shine on your darkness and expose it and find a way to move away from it. He's not angry with you. Jesus didn't come to scold you and to to ground you and to punish you. He doesn't want you to struggle with whatever it is you're struggling with any longer. He doesn't want you to struggle with anger or fear or doubt or rejection or anxiety or whatever it is. He's not angry with you. He just wants to help you. He wants to shine the light of His Word into your life so you can expose the darkness and move away from it. You know why he wants to do that? Because he is our Savior, God. Look at what John says in verses 11 through 18. He says that he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And once again, verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as to the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because He was before me. For from His fullness we have all received, say that with me, grace upon grace. In verse 17, 
I underlined it. I highlighted it. It's one of my favorite things in this whole introduction. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And that's why I tell you, he's, he's not angry with you, but he's come to show you a better way, a new way. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. What John has shared with us right here in this opening section of his gospel is life-changing. I realized in writing this one sermon that on those 18 verses I could probably preach for about four weeks. But then I thought somebody would fall asleep and fall out a window and there's a story about that. But it's life-changing. God came in the flesh. The completeness of God's Word. This is opposite of religion. Religion says that people ascend up to God, that you work hard enough and you get to God. But right here, John says, God descends down to us. God came to us. The Word became flesh. Jesus' humanity is made possible because of His humility. And John shows us that the God of the Bible is humble. He shows us that, that Jesus is the center of everything. He shows us that Jesus will meet you anywhere. And just in 18 verses, he'll meet you wherever you are. And he wants to have a relationship with you. I don't know what your vision of God has been up to this point. I hope that you no longer see God as an angry old man just trying to punish you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He came down to have a relationship. As we come into a new year... The question I have is, are you willing to do whatever it takes to meet with Jesus this year? Will you commit to grow in his word this year like never before? We need to be saved. And we are not the Savior. John tells us that Jesus is the only God. The questions you need to answer as we come to our response time this morning is this. Regardless of what you've been told, in the past. In 2019, the question I have for you, is He your only God? Is He your only God? Not your preferred God. Is He your only God? You need to decide what you're going to do with this information. Jesus asked this question of His disciples. He said, who do you say that I am? And I'm going to ask you the same question this morning as we come into our response time. Who do you say that He is? Is He your eternal God? Is He your Creator God? Is He your relational God? Is He your Savior God? Most importantly, is He your only God? There are a lot of things battling for our attention and our loyalties in our world today. And my question is, is Jesus Christ your only God? And how you answer that question will determine everything else about you, not just for this year, but for the rest of your life. And for you, maybe baptism is the answer to this question. It's starting fresh, accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, for the forgiveness of your sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe for you, the answer to this question begins with asking for prayer and accountability. The elders are here. Uh, like I said, we pray for you anyways. They'd love to pray with you and talk with you about what that looks like in your life. As you consider your answer to these questions, will you stand and sing our response song with us and respond to the only God and His Word, His complete Word, accordingly.
Well, it's been great to be here with you all this morning to start the new year off by worshiping our God together. But now it's time to go. As you go this week, take some time to answer the question, who is Jesus? Is he your only God? Struggle with it. Write about it. Pray about it. I know on the surface we all say, absolutely. But if he's truly your only God, how will you live differently this year? If Jesus is your only God, are you ready to go to win and commit to grow? When I say that, I want you to understand, if Jesus is your only God, who will you go tell about him this week? To begin the intentional relationship so that you can win them for him. If Jesus is your only God, will you commit to studying his word so that you can grow in spiritual maturity and be what his word asks us to be, disciples that make disciples? Before we go, will you sing this last song with us?